My guest in this week's episode of Says and Search is Michelle Robbins, Senior Director for Data and Analytics at ClearLink. Michelle is a veteran digital marketer, product developer, software engineer, and marketing technology executive. Prior to joining the team at ClearLink, Michelle held leadership positions at AimClear and Third Door Media, the publisher of Search Engine Land, Marketing Land, and the company that puts on all the SMX events. This episode is a departure from some of the typical SEO and PPC topics we cover each week on Suds and Search. I heard Michelle give an excellent presentation with a potentially controversial title, Data is a Lie. Michelle makes a persuasive argument that much of the data digital marketers use to make strategic decisions are flawed. Facebook data, Search Console data, data and analytics, it all has flaws. And it's not just the data we are given from big technology companies. As marketers, we bring our own biases to the table when we're examining data. Marketers themselves create data problems with selection bias, response bias, and feedback loops. The end result is that instead of using data to make empirical, objective decisions, marketers are often looking at data that has been badly compromised. What should we do to clean up our data? Is the effort to get better data hopeless? I'll get answers to these questions and many others during this episode. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Michelle Robbins. We'll talk about how to interrogate your data, an interesting approach she calls agile data product development. We'll spend a little time talking about Star Trek fandom. All right, Michelle Robbins, welcome to the Southern Search. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys? I'm doing great. I want to start with some professional news on your part. You started a new job in April at ClearLink. Uh, this is not an agency job. Not. What does ClearLink do and what are you doing in your role there? So ClearLink is actually a publisher. It's a media company and we have a portfolio of sites targeted towards consumers primarily, but a couple that are B2B. Um, I'm running the data and analytics team. And so I started in that role in April. And uh, the big thing that we're focused on right now is rolling up an end-to-end data warehouse, data pipeline into BI reporting and uh, leaning into predictive. Awesome. Well, this, this is uh, this is good timing. Then I wanted to ask you a bunch about a speech you gave at PubCon Florida. Okay. Uh, the beginning of that speech is titled "Data is a Lie," which is a potentially controversial title, right? <laughs> like we're digital marketers, we love our data, right. our metrics, our KPIs, all that. You know, we we love this stuff. So, help me understand how could data be a lie? So the point of the, the, the presentation was to get people thinking about uh, their data sources, the quality of their data, what they're analyzing, and whether or not what they're analyzing is what they think they're analyzing, and the conclusions that they're making from their data. Are they working with the right data sets? Um, are the data sets themselves reflective of the audiences and the populations they're actually trying to understand and measure? So that was, uh, that was what I meant by the data as a lie. In a lot of cases, um, if you really start looking at the data sources that we use and we've come to rely on, especially as marketers, there are so many platforms and so many tools where it makes our jobs uh, a lot a lot easier, right? It can scale a lot of things that we have to do yeah. on a daily basis, but it also opens, opens up uh, kind of a can of worms with respect to data quality and understanding data, even across platforms and across data sources. There's some examples from your speech that I thought I'd I'd ask you about. So one of the main culprits of bad data from your speech was Facebook. I don't think it's very well known. Uh, At least I didn't know necessarily that uh, Facebook on multiple occasions uh, under scrutiny have been shown to have inflated some statistics. Uh, Kind of walk our audience through that that example and and maybe what can we learn from from Facebook? Uh, Well, 
the what we can learn is um well for one thing diversify your channels right the biggest problem with yeah. the facebook measurement challenges that they had over those years was that people invested significantly into the platform and into video you know um, specifically pivoting into video and investing a lot of money based on the metrics they were seeing out of the platform and um it's hard because I'd love to sit down with some marketers and have them go back and really critically evaluate the data they were getting back from Facebook versus the outcomes they were seeing for their business. And at any point, did they stop to say, you know, we're seeing all these great metrics out of Facebook, but they're not actually matching up with what we're seeing with respect to um, ROI and not ROI from the platform, but is our business growing? Are our clients' businesses actually growing? Um, because I feel like paying closer attention to that instead of just taking the platform metrics at, value, at face value would have exposed the problems sooner than when they were exposed. Oh, very interesting. And I don't mean to just pick on Facebook. There were other examples. In oh, your, yeah. In your talk, you, you mentioned JumpShot. You mentioned Search Council. I had this experience with Search Council. I remember with uh, my friend Noah Lerner has this tool called Explorer. Um, what it basically is is like, what search council should be. It's like all the information that's not, not just in native search council, you know, what limitations do you find? And, and do you have any other examples? I just want to try and make sure we're setting the table, right. For this, this data problem, this, uh, this lack of, uh, lack of data clarity, uh, maybe specifically from search council. Um, so I think a good example, uh, probably has to do not even necessarily so much with folks in SEO that are in this data day in and day out. I think that people that are actively uh, working with Search Console and doing SEO on a daily basis understand its limitations. Um, I'm hopeful that everyone right. understands the limitations and understand how that measurement is even captured on, on the platform itself. But there are a lot of folks who maybe don't work with SEOs or have newer teams, have people that don't understand that the data they're seeing, like a lot of the data is aggregated, some of it's normalized, some of it's it's not necessarily, you know, if they, that they see their, their we're ranking, you know, in the first position, but when I check the rankings, I don't see us in first position, right? They don't understand how that data is being captured and, and displayed in Search Console, and that's, that's a big disconnect. Um, that Search Console also over the years has changed the way things are. Uh, um, you guys edit this, right? The way things are, are captured <laughs> and evaluated um, so that the way they're actually measuring has changed. Um, yeah. it, I don't, I'm not confident that people are tracking those kinds of changes within the platform and then remodeling their yeah. campaigns or their strategies based on those measurement changes themselves, right? Um, I think a really good example, uh, you might have some stakeholders in a company that are not the on, you know, in the trenches on the field SEOs, but they're like, you know, in the marketing department or they're in another department and they're looking at data. And, um, for example, they might want, uh, to understand page speed, right? Like how are, how are the page, how is right. page speed for this site versus this site? And they'll run a page speed report and they'll not understand that page speed for a site is not a very useful metric right? Page speed for a page uh -huh. is. So instead of looking at that right. roll-up number of how this site is doing with respect to page speed, you want to understand what an individual page, your money pages, your conversion pages, that's where page speed matters, page speed matters most. And um, it's that kind of uh, 
getting into the weeds on what these metrics actually are and what they mean and where the value in them lies, I think is critical for really understanding our data. Okay. So this is, this is very interesting. And I'm, uh, I was, I was interested the whole way through it. Let's talk a little bit about there, you know, there are flaws in the data we as marketers use to make decisions. So you begin to go into some of the ways the data is flawed. Uh, specifically, you've mentioned that the data is impacted by bias. Uh, again, the idea of using data is to strip out, you know, human activity, subjectivity, bias. How, uh, how maybe even what, how are some, what are some common sources of data being impacted by bias? Um, well, I really dug into that, into the presentation. So <laughs> I would suggest people look at that because there are a number of different types of bias. I would suggest in one of the most common in our day-to-day -day analysis of what we're looking at goes more towards um, not understanding the data we don't have, right? And assuming that the data that we do have mm -hmm. tells the whole picture. And so it's, it's those data gaps, right? The voids in the data that we're operating with that cause, I think, the biggest problems. And making assumptions, you know, generalizing, you're looking at a specific data set with, for a specific purpose and generalizing that to another purpose that is not, a, is not a proper mapping of that data to that purpose, if that makes sense. And a lot of that yeah. happens with just data gaps, just not understanding where does this data actually come from? What is it? We, this is a big problem when you actually look at, you know, some of the tools that folks use, where we don't necessarily know where they're gathering their data from. We don't know where their audience comes from. We don't know what that audience looks like. We're assuming it maps to our audience and our needs and our understanding and our verticals, things like that. But again, we don't know what we don't know. Um, we don't know how often that data is scrutinized, is refreshed, um, and problems can happen when you start relying on that kind of data and those data sets change significantly. And maybe you don't know because, again, you don't know the sources of that data. That makes perfect sense. Well, I, I feel like we, I've got the problem you know, pretty well defined, but it's, it's kind of seems somewhat hopeless. Like we need data for so many reasons. We need it to formulate strategies. We need it to measure the effectiveness of, of something we're doing. Uh, so your speech kind of pivots. You, you talk about how to get better data in four steps. Uh, the main two are about your interro interrogation. So it's like get the swinging light out and start an interrogation. You, you suggest to interrogate your data and the models yes. for collecting the data. Yes. How does that how does that interrogation work actually happen? Uh, well, uh, you start asking those tough questions, right? Start start really digging into the data. Don't look at top line numbers, right? Dig into, um, you know, if someone comes to you and says, "Oh, we're seeing this trend." Okay, well, what do, what does that trend mean? What what are we actually seeing happening there? And I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, trying to if there's anything recent. From an analyst perspective, my approach is always when, um, you know, because my team obviously works across all the departments in the company. We work with content, we work mm -hmm. with SEO, we work with, you know, business development, we work with everybody. When someone comes and says, oh, we need a report that shows X, Y, and Z. My first question is always, what are you trying to measure, right? What, what you, not even just what are you trying to measure, but what, um, what is the question that you need data to answer? And then we'll go find that data instead of it being, you know, descriptive, roll up a report with X, Y, and Z, because we could do that, but X, Y, and Z might not actually answer the question. 
So I always ask what, what question are you trying to answer? What problem are you trying to solve? And then I ask what action will be taken on this data? And I think that's something that a lot, a lot of people don't ask, right? Because when you understand what they're right. actually going to do with the data that you provide, you're going to produce more valuable data. You're going to produce more relevant data. So um, I would suggest things be less, um, less prescriptive when asking for data. All right. Well, very interesting. And then there's a, another term you brought up here. It feels like if we had a textbook on this, this would be like one of the bolded terms in the textbook. But it's about uh, data gaps. So you, you advise people to mind your gaps. That's maybe the last phase of this. Uh, what does that entail? So I've scrutinized everything. I've interrogated it all, but there's still liable to be some gaps. What, what sort of uh, data gaps do you see and how do you fix those? How do you, how do you look out for them at least? Well, you account for them in, in your modeling and your analysis, right? So instead of saying we found the answer, acknowledge that given this set of data, yes. here are the conclusions we've drawn, but here are the things that we don't know. Right. And I think the example I used was when people look at um, search results and they see, for example, um, what was that? I'm, I'm spacing on the specific instance recently where it was clicks. Right. So it's losing clicks okay. from the search results because the search results ostensibly are answering everyone's questions all the time. And um, the, the back and forth between specifically the SEO community and Google. Um, I would suggest that we don't have the data that Google has. We can have as much data as we want, and we think we can create the most, you know, uh, bulletproof study and bulletproof, you know, analysis that we want. But the reality is we don't operate at the scale. The tools that we use don't operate at the scale of Google. So um, any correlations that we might draw are going to be inherently flawed because we also, when we're drawing those correlations, it's impossible for us to um, pull out the context of every individual searcher because Google has so much more data about each of us that this is why our search results are always going to look different. You and I and, and Greg could do the same search right now. We're going to get completely different results. That's on purpose. We don't have yep. we don't have studies. We don't do research that accounts for all of those kinds of things. We can do our best. Yep. But again, when you consider the scale that Google operates at, I think it's really harmful to draw industry-wide conclusions on such a small data set comparatively. That makes perfect sense. And I, I wanted to ask you about this term. Uh, I think this is a, a ClearLinks term, agile data product development. It seems like I, I know what all those words mean, uh, but I, I'm wondering if you could go into it. And, and this is, it seems like this is what you guys are going to market with. What is agile data product development and how are you guys using it at ClearLink? So what that means to me, and, and I put it forward as a, an approach that folks should take, and what that means is um, your, your, data, your data analysis and, and procedures and pipelines, they're never static. They're never one and done. You're constantly going back and you're cleaning that data. You're finding new data sources. You're um, making sure that uh, the population that you're measuring or the information that you're trying to understand about a given population fundamentally hasn't changed. Um, think of, for example, how people how people search changes all the time, right? Um, 10 years ago, mm -hmm. people might've been searching for, um, I'm trying to think like, you know, uh, home internet service or something, right? Are people still searching for that? Mm -hmm. Or now are people just searching for, you know, mm -hmm. um, Wi-Fi, 
right? So it's it's those kinds of right. things. And right. so if you're still measuring uh, a behavior that is no longer um, effective, then you have to you have to remodel. You have to get new data. You have to reevaluate your data and run new analysis. And so that's what agile data product development means: is that you're constantly uh, it's a circle, right? <laughs> it's 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 wash, rinse, repeat. Right. I love it. I love it. Well, very good. Well, I want to move on to uh, everyone's favorite part of the show. This is where Greg Gifford gives me a question for the guest. He gives me no context to the question. It's usually like one or two words. Dear. And uh, so I don't know any more about this than you do. Uh, for Michelle Robbins, he has Star Trek. Does that mean anything to you? Uh, Star Trek means a lot. So I guess I there's Star Trek no context. Um <laughs> Uh, yes. hashtag team Picard, best captain. I would say that, <laughs> um, I'm loving what they're doing with the new, the new shows. Um, so many incredibly talented people telling some really, really amazing stories, but, um, you know, I came up watching next gen, so I am super biased on that crew and that time period of Trek. Well, awesome. Well, if people want to reach out to you or or learn more about your company, what's the best way to do that? What's your favorite social media? What's your best way to contact your business? You know, I'm pretty active on Twitter at Michelle Robbins. Um, I'm really super lame on all the other uh, platforms. Super boring, <laughs> but uh, you can always find me at Twitter. Well, I know it's going to be the title card, but if you could, I wanted to just get one more look at that Stein that you have. That you're like you're actually embracing the drinking part of this, which I love. And that is a beauty. Thank you. Well, very good. Well, I'll give you a virtual cheers from Chicago. And uh, Michelle, I hope to see you out on the road. This is a really interesting concept that you've got. And uh, wish you and ClearLink all the best. Thanks so much. It's been fun. Thank you.